0: Based on the episodic 1998 novel Big Fish, a novel of mythic proportions, and eventually also adapted into the 2013 Broadway musical, 2003's Big Fish is more than just a fish story in name alone. With a development process that began even before the original novel was officially published, Big Fish passed through the hands of visionary director Steven Spielberg and landed in the lap of the one and only Tim Burton. Fresh off directing 2001's Planet of the Apes, Burton was looking to take on a smaller project connecting with the script's main relationship after the recent deaths of his parents. Burton both enjoyed the dramatic core of the story as well as the fantastic vignettes that would allow him to play with many genres. And after five years of development, Big Fish finally hit theaters telling an emotionally intimate story that walks the delicate line between grounded character drama and whimsical fantasy in which people still connect with today. But why is that? What is it about Big Fish that has people coming back to it nearly 20 years later? Well, we're going to talk about that today.
1: I'm your host, Ricardo Boyd-Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow.
0: And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Today, we are joined by somebody very special. Seth, can you please introduce our special guest?
1: Yeah, man. Hey, Ian. Hey, how's it going? Hey, everybody. This is Ian Malden. Hello. And he is a good buddy of mine. I work with him. And he's also a fellow creator, uh, podcaster, Musician, a, another a, a renaissance, a renaissance man like myself, I would say.
2: Waiter, waiter, <laughs> yes,
0: yes. <laughs> hey, we all got our own, we all got our own hyphenits. <laughs> uh, but Ian, we're so glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um Ian, Ian picked the movie. Yes, yes. It. Ian picked our movie for today. Uh, we'll get in that in just a second. Uh, Ian, yeah, we're so glad to have you. This is the first time we're having a guest on the What's It About Film Podcast. Uh, oh,
2: wow what an honor
0: yeah uh seth has talked very high of you he's he's mentioned uh, how great his relationship has been with you how helpful you've been to him uh in his in his journey uh and uh i'm saying he's oh he kept telling me how good we would get along so i was like i can't wait to have this guy on the podcast for sure we had
1: to have you on man we had, we had to had have to you. it was it was
0: a must <laughs> Uh, So, Ian, yes, Seth said you picked our movie today, which is 2003's Big Fish. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, why did you pick Big Fish?
2: Uh, Big Fish is a movie that resonated with me uh, quite a bit when I saw it. I guess I was in high school um, as a kid, uh, and I I haven't seen it since then. And I've always thought of it as one of my favorite movies, and I know how uh, thematically powerful it is. Um, but, so I, I, I was very, when, when I heard the premise of the podcast and I, and I listened a bit, I was, um, I thought this would be the perfect movie to explore because, uh, it's about how we relate it to our, back to our own lives. And I'm just, I was curious as to how that might have changed since I was a kid, uh, to see if I would even still like the movie that I consider to be one of my favorites. So, um, yeah, that's why I picked it.
0: Awesome! Uh, fantastic choice. It really is. I have a similar experience with it as you, where I saw it, you know, a long, long time ago, and haven't quite revisited it maybe as many times as maybe I should. Because you're right, there is a lot of richness uh, to enjoy in this film in so many different ways.
1: We all had the same experience.
0: Yeah, you same I thing. See You've seen it. Yeah. It's awesome. Been That's
1: 20 years though, or however.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. it's so interesting. Right. Uh, so uh, let's get into a little bit of the backstory about this film and how it kind of came into being. Um, so, like I mentioned, this film is based on a novel uh, by Daniel Wallace, uh, who wrote it in uh, 1998, and it, it has kind of a an episodic structure to it, where it's kind of these like vignettes of this character Edward Bloom's life, um, it's kind of told a little bit more episodically. Um, the uh, screenwriter of Big Fish, uh, John August, got a early version of the manuscript of Big Fish before it was officially published, uh, and absolutely loved it. Uh, it was just kind of had uh, overhears for it, and it really he really connected to it. It was after the, the recent after the recent death of his father, um, so he immediately went to Columbia Pictures and was like, "You guys need to get the film rights to this book right now, because uh, I want to write it, <laughs> the movie." Uh, and they did. They they required the rights and hired him to write it. And it went through a, quite a development process. Originally, Steven Spielberg was uh, on board to direct this. Um, he uh, wanted Jack Nicholson to play the lead. So they went through a, a large development process of the script of changing things to to re- showcase Jack Nicholson and what Spielberg wanted from the movie. So there was a lot of development of the writing process. And then Spielberg dropped out because he uh, wanted to make it Catch Me If You Can instead uh so spielberg dropped out um they considered a few other directors but ultimately uh it got into the hands of tim burton uh who again coming off of planet of the apes and uh the recent death of his mother and and a few years before his father as well um connected with the story uh in such a deep way and decided to take to kind of take it on from there um so it this film is very interesting in how it kind of like was being like churned and moved and kind of developed for a long period of time five six year development process before it actually ended up hitting theaters in two thousand and three so it's a very interesting kind of a journey that this uh, film has taken to to be where it is today imagine
1: Jack Nicholson playing that character
2: weird right <laughs> very weird and and imagine um the movie without Tim Burton's like iconic sheen you know yeah. I mean,
0: it has definitely some Tim Burtonisms for sure, which is interesting.
2: De- I like De- I, Go ahead, go ahead. I like that he toned down the Tim Burton, like you can still feel that it's his movie but it's mm. not like Nightmare Before Christmas like right. over the top. But yeah. If
1: if Jack Nicholson played that character, <laughs> I think you would I think the like the word I'm looking for is the cognitive dissonance between our liking of the dad and the son's feelings about the dad I think they would actually line up better because yeah. the, the way Jack Nicholson carries himself is kind of kind of seedy you know you yeah.
0: like him you like him but you don't you know what i mean Jack Nicholson has like a sinister undertone to a lot of his character not and i don't even think it's on purpose it just
2: is the way he is like there is a from the shining yeah there's a
0: (laughs) there is like you're right there is like a shadiness to the way he does everything it's interesting whereas
2: yeah whereas ewan has this like this like just pure innocent charisma to him
0: he does he's so charming in this movie that would have been a very
1: i mean i just think that would have came through more you know if it was jack nicholson so you're saying you don't like the sun (laughs) uh it's uh we can talk about that
0: we can talk about that that's later
1: i'm trying to stick to the structure better ricky i'm trying to stick to the structure
0: look i'm just interpreting what you what i could feel that you were saying
1: (laughs) so ian you have to understand i'm kind of all over the place on this podcast like i'll i'll be in the end in the beginning and and uh ricky uh ricky's the ricky's the heartbeat so uh i'm trying to i'm trying to follow the rules we had a whole
0: conversation last time about how i said it's fine (laughs) what you do that that i I have i have
2: the structure here so it kind of bring us back but i also heard the
1: passive aggressive undertones behind it so
2: (laughs) look guys i'll say what i say to the husband and wife that are on my that are together on on my podcast um you're not your marriage is not allowed to unravel while we're recording
0: i say that to you. Amen. We'll talk about this later, Seth. Right. right. <laughs> uh, but sure, we'll get into the movie in just a second. Um but uh let's first remind some of the people at home if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Uh what to remind uh the people at home kind of what the show is going to be for like this first big discussion. Uh so in our show, we talk about The meaning of films kind of what's the core thematic idea of films uh, and what they're about now we're not talking about the plot like what the story exactly is Uh, plot is a sequence of events that is kind of tied together to convey some kind of deeper meaning so we're trying to get underneath what the overarching story is to find kind of what's going on underneath and what is kind of the engine that's powering this story. So we're going to be kind of doing that. We'll be talking about different plot points and different things that happen in the movie that kind of illustrate our own feelings about it um, uh, throughout. Uh, So before we get into uh, our individual interpretations of what's it about, uh, I'm going to read the plot summary for Big Fish for any of those people who have not seen it or have not seen it in a very long time, like like us before we did this podcast. Uh, This is the uh, plot summary for Big Fish. A frustrated son tries to determine the facts from fiction in his dying father's life. Where
1: was it, Where was it from? Rotten Tomatoes?
0: That's IMDb. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's all they gave us. What does Rotten Tomatoes say about this? <laughs> I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes has got.
1: <laughs> see Rick if they got something know, better. Ricky and I have noticed that sometimes
2: they're lazy. <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty it's pretty <laughs> succinct it's pretty maybe they're going for uh short and sweet
0: no, they're like we don't want to give it away <laughs> Right. right. All right. Let's see what, a fish
2: today. there's a fish yep. there's a fish you a guys big, see the fish a, on a, my a, wall
1: it's a big fish I did, I did see the fish i thought it was uh I, I
0: was like is he did he put that up today did, did you
2: <laughs> i caught it just for the show yeah, yeah. you know
0: sometimes there, there's some fish that you can never be caught not
2: that one,
0: just, <laughs> not well, one. You that, know, that one had, wasn't touched with a gift
2: I had to throw it back when it gave me my ring I, I was going say
0: just... it's ring back uh, so this is the Rotten Tomatoes summary a charming father and son tale filled with typical Tim Burton flourishes big fish is an impressive catch so nobody knows what this is about is
1: what we're saying <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wait, that's sorry. That was sorry. That was the consensus. Let me let me let me find. This is the actual movie. This is a little bit longer. Okay, when Edward Bloom becomes ill, his son William travels to be with him. William has a strained relationship with Edward because his father always told exaggerated stories about his life, and William thinks he's never really told the truth. Even on his deathbed, Edward recounts the fantastical anecdotes. When William, who is a journalist, starts to investigate his father's tales, he begins to understand the man and his penchant for
2: storytelling. A little bit more there. Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit better.
1: It's it's wordy, but it's good.
2: Yeah, that's I give that I give that summary an a seventy six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Are
0: you looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score?
2: No, is that it? Holy shit! (laughs) It's seventy (laughs) five. Wow! Wow!
0: Certified fresh, baby. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that's Big Fish, and I would say that's in a nutshell, kind of it. Uh, It's yeah, a dad. Uh, a dad who's ill on his deathbed. His son comes back. They have a strained relationship because the dad kind of was always telling stories about his life that were exaggerated uh, and the son kind of felt like he didn't really know his dad because felt like his dad never really was telling him the truth. Um, and that's kind of like the, the center. And we get a lot of vignettes and little like flashback storytelling things, which is really cool. Uh, so guys, let's, uh, Ian, since you're the guest and this is your movie, why don't you go ahead and ask the titular question?
2: Oh, what's the titular
0: question? <laughs>
1: you're supposed to say. You say.
2: What's it it about? What's it about? Oh, right. The show. Uh, right. Oh, the, the, t- the, t- the t- title. The title question. Wow. Titular. Hey, I'm really good at this, y'all.
0: We're headed around this.
2: What's it about? Thank
0: you. That was great. Bravo. On the first try. Yes. Seth, why don't you go ahead and you start with your your thoughts?
1: I don't know if I want to go first, honestly.
0: Okay, I'll go first. You go first. Fine. You go first. Jeez Louise. Okay. Uh, All right. So this is kind of what what I was getting. Um, And this is kind of what I I, I boiled it down to. Um, In the end, we all become our stories. We live on in the stories. We live on in those stories forever. That's kind of what I got. Um, And the reason I felt that way was – As we move through time, our lives kind of become this series of stories that we tell and that people tell about us. Uh, And notoriously, our memories aren't great at remembering the fine details of our experiential memories. Uh, So we remember things that didn't actually happen in that way. And it doesn't quite fall in sync with what the true factual events are, but that's how we remember it. And so there's elements of truth present in our memories, but also like it eventually becomes a story that we tell that is a little bit true and a little bit fabricated all at the same time. So the fiction and facts kind of become inexorably linked all at once, which I think is really interesting. Uh, and that's kind of what I was really getting out of this. Um, yeah. And so, I'll elaborate in a little bit, but that's kind of so what bad. we become our stories is what we become yeah. it's about. We, in the end, we all eventually become
1: our stories. I, uh, do you want me to go to next Ian? Sure. We'll save. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll save Ian for last.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so to me, this this movie's so macro, man. Like this this the lens on this is so wide. Uh it's hard. It's honestly that's why I didn't want to go first, because I needed I needed like clear words to hear to help me like surmise my own thoughts mm-hmm. on it. Uh, <laughs> it's To me, it's, I mean, it's about life. Like it's, 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 this movie is about this pot, like what this podcast is about, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. It's, this one's a hard one for me to, to like nail down. Um, I mean, I, I agreed with your, uh, with your, your, your statement, like we become our stories. I think if there is a hard line that, uh, that we can stick to, that's it. Right. Um, But, but it's, it's also, I think, bigger than that. Like, what does it mean to die? And what does it mean to live? And, and, and like, who, who are you to the other people in your life? You know, like, like what's true, what do you believe about yourself? And then what do others believe? You know, there's like a whole lot of perception is reality kind of situations going going on Mm -hmm. here too. So like I said, there's a lot, I think, I think honestly, it'll be easier for me to talk about when we're in like the self-referential point, because, because, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's where, I mean, I think that's, that's how you connect to this film is from your own point of view. I mean, I think it's a great choice. Um, I think it's a great choice for this podcast, but being such a great choice means uh, we could probably just do the podcast about big fish forever uh, and, yeah. and never get to the answer. So, uh, <laughs> so Ian, take it away.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you bring up the because I wrote one of the notes I wrote while I was watching. I just took a bunch of stream of consciousness notes. Yeah, that
0: that's ones. what um, we do. <laughs> that's what we do.
2: Good, good. I'm uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm indoctrinated already. Yeah. Um, one of the bullet points I wrote down was immortality by escapism, uh, which is. Uh, why I think why this mo- this movie is so appealing to me and, and was even as a kid is because like I've always in some form been a storyteller via mm-hmm. music or or whatever, um, you know, I was a big fantasy, uh, I was a big fantasy nerd as a kid. Um, so immortality by escapism is just such a fascinating uh, concept, because by the end of the movie, it doesn't matter if the stories were true. Um, it doesn't matter if he ruined his relationship with his son, really is the message, right? Like,, uh, he will live much longer by telling by having told these fantastic stories about himself, by being this mythical big fish in the swimming pool or in the lake or wherever he ends up, um, than he ever would just living a mundane life and being um, more honest about it. Um, and 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 Specter, is is linked it's the story within the story specter um represents the afterlife Mm -hmm. and when he comes back later in life to preserve it it's the same exact thing as him telling these stories to his family it's uh him making this old dilapidated town look like it's something that it's not so that it will live for a longer uh span of time it'll have a longer shelf life
0: yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay, guys, we all so, have so, very similar ways of looking at this in lots of different ways. Wait,
1: I want to. I want to rephrase. I want to. I want to like hear your your one line theme thing again. So it's immortality Christmas, by escapism. immortality right, by escapism. Right, yeah. Okay, and I,
0: I that's that's a good point. I mean, us as artists, one of those things that we are, like you said, like we are doing is there is a sense of uh, a fear of being forgotten, right? Of like, I want to be remembered. There's a lot. I think a lot of artists can relate to that idea. Of I want to be remembered for, and the, one of the best ways to do that is to make an impact on a lot of people through art. Um, you know, through music. Music lives on for as long as people are listening to it. So, like, you know, artists from hundreds, hundreds of years before died hundreds of years ago. We still reference today because. They, they're immortal basically they they will
2: live forever in the thing that they created well um, we're all ch- we're all chasing that wikipedia page man yeah I want a wikipedia page.
0: I want that blue check mark on all my social media <laughs> I want that verified check I want it <laughs> I am me I promise I,
1: I i so I'm gonna add on a little bit um, you're not allowed to do that I'm not oh. i'm just kidding it's over <laughs> we're done I, so like I guess I guess another thing that I mean uh, this movie is about is uh, what it what it means to be a big fish, right? Like, like the people that are successful and big deals, what does it mean to be who they are? And um, coming from people that always, I think, I think if you're pursuing art in any way, you want to be a big fish, right? Like it, it's always said, um, uh, you, you know, you're a, a big fish in a small pond, especially like. Um, for me, when I was like acting in college, you know, like there weren't many men doing it, you know, and, uh, there weren't any, there, there wasn't any competition. So I got all the roles and, um, and so like that, that phrase was used in reference to that. Like you're a big fish in a small pond. I, I wasn't, I was just the only option, but like it, it. You you want to you want to think that if you went to a bigger pond you would you fit into that pond better you know um, well
0: I mean that totally relates to this story in, in not even just like in like analogy you know or in like metaphorically like literally there is a portion of this movie where Ebra Bloom is like I was a kid and like all of a sudden I had this disease where I was just growing too fast and and, he's and like it,
2: go ahead it leads to the best line in the whole movie my muscles and bones couldn't keep up with my body's ambition. Yeah, Which, like, just floored me when I heard it again last night. I was like, "Oh wow!" And he's That's like, "I need to live point. up
0: to the giant that I was always meant to be." And so, like, he became—he literally becomes what. He, like, it's so interesting that he keeps calling himself a giant. He keeps calling himself like he's that like, he's like big, right? Because he's not like—he's not a huge person. He's very average. Yeah, he's yeah. very average-sized man. But and actually he even
2: meets a real giant right. to uh, accentuate that. But
0: he—he he has this idea that he is a giant amongst his town he's he is a giant in ashton right and he feels like he said like the goldfish he feels contained by his small town it's like i need to get out of here so i can reach my full potential basically
2: right and well and his his story version of himself um is fascinating in and of itself because it's like it's what we all to a certain extent, wish we could view ourselves as it's mm-hmm. you know, uh, pure charm and ambition. Um, even spite your physical and um, even skill limitations, um, mm-hmm. it's just like if you try hard enough, you will get that thing done, and you have the charm to make friends out of your enemies, which has always been like to me, like that's it, growing up watching Dragon Ball Z. I was like, oh, I like Goku not because he has big muscles because every single one of his enemies he makes into his his like best friend like yeah. puts on his team uh which is always like uh that is the that that is what exemplifies a hero to me but like every character he meets in that uh, in his in, along the way that should be his foe ends up being his best friend which is just incredible um but yeah that that's that self perception that like mm-hmm. that fantastic version you build of yourself
0: Absolutely. I mean, and there's even uh, to go along with that. There's even that great line he has it right al- at the almost like the midpoint, so like right in the very middle of the film, like right at the one hour mark, where he, the Danny DeVito werewolf <laughs> moment, where he's like, "I learned that day that things that that are scary or or evil are are really just lonely. Like,
2: yes, things, yes. things,
0: things that we're afraid of and things that want to hurt are really just something that is hurting." And yeah. the, the best way to fight those things is not with a silver bullet. It's not with anger or violence. The best way to fight that thing is sometimes to extend a, a compassionate hand, you know, which is so interesting. Yeah. I, I, I need to express
1: I agree with everything we're saying, but I need, I need to, to. I don't think I like Tim Burton direct, direct, directing this movie. And I don't think I like you and McGregor in the the main role. Get out! Uh, like, <laughs> like I I don't um I think there there's only one there's only one moment in this whole film that got me like really yeah. What's well, interesting? Uh, what is that moment? Uh, for so we, Sarah and I watched it together. For Sarah, it's whenever he's carried to the river. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he sees everybody. And, uh, uh, for me that that moment is not like I burst into tears when they're at the funeral and Mm -hmm. afterwards, everybody's telling his stories. Like -hmm. there's something about that. Like right now, like there's something about it that really hit me. Like, like, um, that's the only moment that, that, uh, emotionally affected me in this film. Um, Everything else is too fantastical for me.
2: I think it's intentional. That's it's what like,
0: I was just going to say. I think that is to be intentional.
2: Like, it's, it's a big, the whole movie leads to the one. It's not like a movie that's supposed to catch you in your fields the whole time. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be like analyzing what's fact or fiction right. when in fact, when in fact, it doesn't matter.
0: It's fantastical I, whimsy for a I lot, guess, for most of the
2: story,
1: but it doesn't, but because of that, I, I don't care most of the time. I'm mm-hmm. watching it like, like if, like the idea that Jack Nicholson would like be in this role makes me excited about it. Like, like uh, it, I think if everything else in the film was fantastical, like Tim Burton, and then you had Jack Nicholson that grounded the character to reality more, I would I would care more. You know, I just don't I think Ewan McGregor can. Like it's too it's too pretty. You know what I mean? And like what what I think this what I think this movie doesn't doesn't execute well is is relating the feeling of wanting to know your father. I don't I don't think it it Mm -hmm.
0: accomplishes that with the the sheen that it has. I I totally understand what you're saying. Like I I can feel that. I think kinda like I think there's an intentionality in that a little bit because you're kind of taking on the the feelings of will uh yeah. bloom edward bloom's son you're frustrated with the way that this film is telling stories because you can't get at what's actually going on you're right. having trouble connecting with what's going on because of all the sheen in front of it but and you so, have like you
1: want to watch it you know mm-hmm. and and i was like how long is this <laughs> like i was like i was like pausing like and
0: you're your little will at the fire at the campfire just sitting there and you're like oh god yeah. not this right. story
1: again and, and, and like i don't i don't i get what you're saying that's like artistically brilliant if that's that's the intention but at the same time like i need i need give me give me a thread you know what you i'm need, saying you needed more of the reality to to, to seep in like why I, yeah. why doesn't like why do i want to know this guy if this is who he is, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, why does his son want to find out? Like we needed, I think another, a better, a better thread to follow. And um,
2: That's fair. yeah. 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 I, that is one area where I differ from my perception when I was, when I was younger and now is that um, I did find myself becoming frustrated throughout the movie much like the sun, which I do, I do think is intentional. I I agree with both of you essentially. Uh, But I did find myself being like, like, wow, they're really not giving this guy like a flaw. Like he didn't cheat on his wife. You know, like there's no, like there were opportunities for them to be like, yeah, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't the story, but there were, there was enough there um, to make it, to give it merit. No, it was, it was more like what they gave us in the end was like, no, he was pretty fantastic. Which I th- agree. It probably would have been more impactful if they would have made him more, at least slightly more flawed along the way. I, I
1: think it's debatable whether or not he had an affair. Like, I think that's kind of left up
0: in the air. Well, me. I mean, this, this is goes into what's something I want to talk to you guys about a little bit about the idea of the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. That's pre- super prevalent and almost like a main focus of this film. It's the idea that who, there's. The narrator that's telling these stories is embellishing. Like we – right at the top we say, this is – these are fish stories. They are embellished. They are not 100% true. They are exaggerated. There's a a kernel of truth in there most likely. But like right off the bat, we know that these stories are fabricated to an extent, right? But what's interesting to me is that we don't just have one unreliable narrator. We have three unreliable narrators four. if you want to count old edward bloom and young edward bloom uh then because they're each kind of kind of a different they are different characters but they're the same character but different actors Mm -hmm. um but like there's three different people telling flashback stories here we have edward telling most of them we have uh helena bottom carter's character jennifer telling one story about the the revitalization of specter um And then we have Will telling a story at the end, um, which obviously is like 100% fabricated. That one's like the least like true of them, I guess, like least factual. Um, But this idea that not – Edward's not the only one telling stories about himself. Other people are telling – like you said, other people are telling stories about him too. And they have their own versions of of stories of him. But there are definitely things that kind of fall in line. But like like I said – there's, unre- there's unreliableness in all of their stories,
2: right? Right, which is where Seth could be right. Like, Helena hell Bottom ca- Carter's character's story could have been, like, um, intentionally, you know, playing up how true to his mother, uh, Edward Bloom, you know, mm-hmm. to his, not his his
0: well, wife. Before she <laughs> tells the story, she even says, I don't want to change your perception of your father. Like, she's like, right. and that... It, it, if, if you're a screenwriter, you're writing that in because you're trying to misdirect. Like you want people to think that she's about to tell a story about he, he did cheat on on uh, uh, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes into this whole story. It's like, no, he was a complete gentleman. It's like, well, then what? Like, well, then why are you worried about changing the perception of the dad? Like what? He didn't do – in that story, he did absolutely nothing wrong, at least yeah. the way she tells it. I, so. Right.
1: It's weird. It's, it's a weird one. And, and then she's at the funeral, like standing by the mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, I don't know, like, that's, that's to me like a studio choice to like, to like make sure that like we know that they're,
2: they're good with it.
1: They're yeah. And it's like, no man, like she can be at the funeral, but like they shouldn't talk, you know, like, I don't know. It, it's, I, 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 if if it's it's a better movie if he did have an affair, like <laughs> it's a better movie if
0: he's not perfect. If he's not perfect,
2: right? And I but I think I think that the movie, the <laughs> the movie's perspective, um, right? The the maybe the director choice, the um, the thesis statement of this movie is that it's not the movie's place to tell you the truth. It's right. the movie's place to tell you the falsehood. And your job as the as the real life version of the Sun is to question the movie at the end, even mm-hmm. though you've been presented with um, the toned down versions of the people he's met along the way. You know the giant and the circus master mm-hmm. and oh, and all and and, these and things at the funeral.
0: Um, and, and kind of what uh, I think this is said. This is what you said a little bit uh, about his. His lies and his like the, the – not lies per se, but his stories and how true they are ends up not mattering. So like yeah. his flaws don't – in the end, after he's passed, don't matter as much um, because he – because even though he may have been a flawed person, those stories in, in part are lies. He made an impact on people. In a positive way, enough to the point where people want to celebrate and tell stories about him and not forget him, right? So it all, his flaws almost don't matter. It seems like he's forgiven for his flaws, and so people are just ignoring them.
1: If if
0: they believe in him, no. right? In Except there's one guy in this in this movie that is like, I don't believe yeah. in this guy, and I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So like,
1: isn't it interesting? This is something I wrote down at the end. Like, isn't it interesting that it's so hard for us to believe in an extraordinary life? Like the 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 son, you know, it, it, it's difficult when somebody does fantastic things around you or they say they did fantastic things. Even if they did, you doubt it, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I'm, you know, I'm 33 now. I've, I've been some places i've done some things but i always feel weird when i tell people about my life and, and i always
2: feel like this guy's people think this guy's full of shit like <laughs> this is the exact reason why i was ta- i was i won't do wordle <laughs> stay stay with me stay with no, me there's I a won't... posturing that's
0: going on with that with that game right now i like it but i don't share my shit like i don't care to share it i just want to do it
2: uh, but I won't do Wordle because the best case scenario is that I guess the word on the first try. And if I post that on the internet, no one's going to believe me. I just posted a bunch of green boxes next to each other. You know what I mean? I just faked it. That's the best case scenario to you're me right. is that I do it right and everybody doubts it. So yeah. Exactly. exactly you're right. That's the,
0: that's the 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 pinnacle of that game is you get it on the first try. And as soon as you tell somebody about it, they're going to think you're full of shit.
1: Well, I mean, and that's okay. So, are we are we safe to say we're diving into the second part of this discussion? Uh,
0: <laughs> sure. I have a question. I just wanted to circle back to in a little bit, but it's fine. Uh, right, we'll or, circle back or, to it at the end. Yeah, I'll put a pin okay. in it. But otherwise, I think we are naturally transitioning to yes. more more reflective talk. Yeah. So, like, all these
1: themes floating the the wordle thing you just said, <laughs> like this is like, what does it mean to be a real person, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, if you lived your life flawlessly and perfectly, like, I don't think it would be satisfying, you know? Mm. Uh, I I think it wouldn't be real. Like it's, it's, it's what, it's what makes, what makes you who you are is like the failure. Uh, It's like, it's the overcoming of failure and, and how the failure affects you and impacts you um like if you just if you're it's like tom brady right (laughs) like tom brady like it's so hard for us to like tom brady like it's so hard for everybody to like tom brady because he's a
0: cheater he's a dirty rotten cheater (laughs)
1: but uh, you know this is obviously i don't want to talk about football or whatever but like but like it's because he's so perfect you know like he's done so well it makes us all like hate his guts in a weird weird way
2: well uh, yeah i mean S- some people we forget tom brady was like a not a high draft prospect though tom brady's uh flaw and adversity was that he uh should have never started in, in the nfl he started by happenstance and heard... happened to be very much more talented than people heard thought this he was
1: story i have heard this story <laughs> the justification of tom brady oh somebody...
2: I, I hate tom brady as much as anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying I hate him because he beat my team. Who's but, your team? The, the Falcons.
0: oh uh, yeah, he beat my team too. There were St. Louis Rams.
2: Hmm. He beat a lot of teams,
0: <laughs> but seven of them. Maybe,
1: maybe Tom Brady isn't the best example, but like, nobody likes nobody likes it when somebody's too perfect.
0: Well, yeah, it makes you, know? you feel it makes you feel inferior.
1: Yeah, and and I, like I said, watching the movie, it it, it made it really hard to be invested because it was too perfect most of the time. And even like will like the way that it was framed, even I was like, why don't you like your dad will, you know, like, like, but I, I, so to, to, I guess to kind of say what I'm saying is like, we all, we all, Idealize our fathers. At some point, um, and and that metaphor for your father is actually a bigger metaphor for a spiritual thing. So like, like it's this this relationship is about how wh- whether or not you believe what you it's what you believe in this this it's like this movie is about what you believe in and how to how to believe in it. And what's the point of believing in it for me? Like, like you, you can, it's a, the metaphor for the son's relationship with the dad is also a metaphor for your relationship with God and, and your ability to, um, to believe in him. Um, and so that's, that's hard. That That's hard for, that's a, that's hard. That's a hard thing to talk about. Um, and uh for me he,
2: he oh sorry to interject no. he even uh the edward bloom uh senior at the dinner table even says uh something about um i don't know south africans or something so he's talking about some other country and he says about. he says the only thing they won't talk about is religion because uh you don't you never know who you're gonna offend yeah so yeah maybe uh, that maybe that is an intentional uh comparison yeah that, i mean
1: i mean and and so i mean yeah there's there's the the father like maybe we should start there and then if if we can Mm
0: -hmm.
1: get to the god stuff we will um but like me personally with my dad like i still idolize my father it's only now it's only like now in my life that i'm starting to be like oh this guy's human you know Mm -hmm. and i'm Mm -hmm. 33 like like it's my whole life my dad was like a football player like he tried to tackle a tree once and put a dent in it when he was a kid you know my dad my dad like uh he he was always like doing dangerous stuff for money just to do it and prove he could so he like jumped a creek on a bicycle one time uh like he would eat crawdads raw for five bucks like he was like the 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 guy that didn't care if he wasn't cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Like he was anti-cool and a wild man. And, you know, so like I have a very similar kind of view of my own father as Will, but I, I, I don't doubt it. I guess I believe I've believed it my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, But now it's like, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm starting to see my dad's flaws, you know? And actually That's, that's something that I like, like, it's something that I'm like, um, it, it gives me comfort because it's like, oh, so I don't, I don't necessarily have to live up to this mythology, you know? Um,
2: yeah, before you view yourself as an adult, right? Like you, you think of your parent as an adult that you are not, even when you're in your twenties and you're technically and like by all, um, Hmm perception of society you are an adult Um, and you think back to various points in your life and you're like why was my parent this perfect like not perfect but like this um why does this idealized version of this uh, of my parent that I've created in in my head why did they make this mistake and why do they do this so when you realize that oh like my dad deals with anxiety like uh, maybe that strange decision that I didn't understand as a child was born from anxiety and um, you know, things that I now struggle with that um, my parent was going through back then. Like it it contextualizes things in a way that's like, okay, now I can relate to my, my parent more than I could before. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So Seth, my relationship with my dad is, is been a little bit different in that. Yes. Like you said, like I, when I was young, young, for sure, like my dad was like, was like a god to me. You know, both my parents were like, were infallible gods. I, you know, love them so much, and I still do love them so, so much. I've had over my life a pretty contentious relationship with my dad, in a lot of different ways. We we have a lot of similarities that cause us to butt heads, uh, but over things that we're not similar in. So if that makes sense. So the things that make us dissimilar. Cause our similarities to, to heads, if that makes sense. And so, especially in like my like early teen years and into my early twenties, me and my dad had lots of disagreements and were at odds frequently. Um, And so I kind of started seeing, I wouldn't say flaws, but I started seeing cracks in the, in the, my perception of my father early in that because we were butting heads and we did have this contentious relationship. Um, and now having kind of moved through those, we, we still have a really good relationship now, but like you, like you were saying, Ian, like you look back and you're like, Oh, like I see where those, uh, moments, why they happen based on where he comes from and, and the life that he's lived. My dad grew up, he's a, he's an immigrant. My dad was born in Panama, uh, wasn't a very, uh, you know, grew up in like Panama, but uh, immigrated to the United States, um, and grew up in like low income St. Louis, uh, some bad areas in St. Louis. Uh, so he his early life, even though his his father was a doctor, they they just grew up in not great places for a big portion of their life. So, you know, he tells stories all the time about being chased home from school, uh, by bullies, and his father making him go out and and fight them uh you know talk, he talks about how he was in a bar and there was a drive by you know like things like that um he, he, a lot of his stories are very much like about being tough right about toughening up and getting and getting through it like like things that might be bad around you but you can persevere and get through it if you just are mentally strong you know um yeah and that is a big part of something that's instilled in me that I, I love that I've been given by my father, but also is something that like can make it emotionally unavailable sometimes.
1: And is also just not true sometimes. Yeah. Like,
0: like you can't just toughen up and get through it all the time.
2: Sometimes stuff just isn't good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean,
1: so like, this is, I'm sorry, Ian, this is the part of the podcast where I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: He doesn't know anything before this.
1: Yeah. So like, so it's interesting, right? Your dad, your dad has instilled this thing in you that is uh, a part of your personality, but it's also not a good part of your personality sometimes. You know, it's both true and not true at the same time.
0: It's both good and not good.
1: It's both good and not good. Like there's definitely a duality. Um and you gotta have both sides or it's not it's not real, right? Like okay, and do you would you like to say anything about your father? <laughs> welcome to the, welcome to therapy. Yeah. Yeah,
2: right, yeah. Wow. This turned into therapy really well, quick. Yeah. I
1: mean, like this in terms of like episodes we've done so far, I think this is the scariest. Like,
2: this, this is, is a scary the,
1: episode. Yeah. This is a scary yeah. episode to talk about.
2: So, uh, so my dad, I, I have very similar views on my dad. My my um my dad's a young dad. He was uh sixteen when I was born, and um he was always in bands. He was in like kind of, um, kind of punk, like emo before emo was eyeliner emo. Mm -hmm. uh, Like when it was more just like singing about your feelings, emo. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was, he was a vocalist. He was a poet. um, And he liked to do fun things with me. So of course I had, I have all these like fantastic, you know, like uh, whether or not they're true, I have like a story where like my dad turned down a major label record contract because it wasn't about the money. It was about the integrity of the art. Um, There was a time in a mosh pit. My dad took me to a metal concert where we both liked the band, you know, we were both there in earnest. It wasn't just my dad bringing me to a show begrudgingly. And uh, I got knocked over in a mosh pit by this dude who was, you know, twice the size of my dad. And my dad stepped out from the, you know, he's too old for mosh pits at that point. Uh, But he stepped out from the side to push this guy over and pick me up. Like, you know, I I have all these fantastic stories um, about him. So I definitely thought about that throughout the movie. But um, I'm not sure um, if I'm the only one uh, in this boat. uh, But I have had a parent pass away. So um, that was uh, something that I kept thinking about throughout the movie as well. So I ended up relating... Um, the older version of Edward Bloom uh, to my mother more often than my dad, because my mom has passed away and my mom uh, would frustrate me with these big stories that annoyed me more than I actually uh, thought they were cool. And so um, a lot of, a lot of the movie, I was thinking about that, which one of these characters do I relate to the son or the father? Because I do love to tell stories and I, Man, i am such a big uh proponent of of escapism um but the one i the character i relate to the most is the son who's just pissed all the time <laughs> and i hate that i hate that yeah. uh that part of the that realization throughout the movie i really did uh fr- it really frustrated me
0: i that's such a that's such a great insight Ian, and and
2: I have not had that
0: experience yet of losing a parent. I still have both my parents, uh, but I, I kind of, I'm with you. I, I experienced a lot of this film through, through Will because as much as I love my dad and I have, you know, my dad's also a musician, a blues musician. Um, I have a similar kind of like story where we went to see a championship uh, boxing match in St. Louis and the St. Louis fighter lost. And there was a big brawl that broke out after he lost. And like, behind us in the seats behind us and like my dad like pushes me towards the ring and like is separating me from like this big fight that's like happening and like like i was in like maybe sixth or seventh grade so like i was little and that was really scary but like my dad is a storyteller too like he's like he has that the story i brought up a little bit with like him talking about how he used to get chased home from school by these bullies because he he had skipped a grade because he you know they used to have those iq tests back in the day and he tested high enough to where they. They put him a grade up.
1: Yeah. Uh, so
0: he was younger than his, a lot of his class. And he was like in the, a gifted school, but he went to, but he lived in the weak, the, like uh, in the bad neighborhood, but went to the gifted school. So he got picked on, uh, you know, every time he tells that story, a different number of people are chasing him home, you know? And so it's like, it's like, I grew up with that dad. That's like telling the fish stories. He, you know, it's like the story gets bigger every time you tell it, you know? Uh, and, and yeah it's always because it's like you've heard it how many times and it, so it frustrates you but when he's telling somebody new
2: you're just sitting like oh my god he's telling this story again. and you hear a detail that's embellished more mm-hmm. than it was last time you're like well how many times has this yeah. been embellished how many did the whole school up?
0: chase you home dad like like what's going on here
2: or was and, it just the one guy a yeah. dog or something yeah
0: know? and oh. and so and so i get that frustration of like For Of Will being like, you're telling these stories that are about your life, but they're not real. And it's like trying to determine what is actually inside that story that is really you. Not like like what really happened, not the factual events, but like what is – you're telling the story and it's saying something about you. What is it saying about you? And that's like Will is like, I want to know you. What are these stories saying about you? I don't care about the facts. I want you. Okay. Okay. Can I – I'm gonna to try to create a
1: thought bridge here. No. <laughs> okay. This is let's ra- let's try to I'm gonna to try to do this. Uh, bring it all together,
0: buddy. So okay, okay. So
1: how do I want to start? Okay. So Will the the one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Will's cleaning out the pool. Right. I was gonna bring this up, <laughs> and we see the fish. Just for a second, he's like, "What was that?" You know, like. And, and in order for will to like, to like, learn to love his dad, right? He has to like submit to his dad's flaws. Right? Like he has to like, become a storyteller. You know, he has to tell the lie he hates at the end, but it, Mm -hmm. but it's like how he how he it's, it's the way that he can relate to his father you know, it's the, and his father needs him to. Okay. So in terms of like, it is the son becoming the father. Okay. There is like way major spiritual tones in this. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, like your whole life is like, you are becoming what you're supposed to be. I'm I'm trying to say this in like a delicate way, I guess. Uh, like you, Oh, it's so, I'm so close to nailing this guys. Uh, it's, it's like, I I like, okay, I'm gonna speak from my perspective. So that way it's not, uh, so all, all encompassing. Like I want to know God really bad. Like it would be really sweet. So just be like, to know God, you know, um, whether if God is real, or not, I still want to know, you know, like, we're all going to go over that press, like, we're all going to go over that precipice, and we're going to find out or we're not, we don't nobody knows. But like, life is, is very much like, like this movie, in terms of what's what's true, and what's not, what do you believe in? And what do you not believe in? And when you look back, You say okay, so that was true, and this is actually what I was supposed to pull out of, of of that story, you know, like like the Bible, right? Like, like it's myth, it's mythos, you know. It's not a history book. It's not a history book. It's, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, depends on who you ask. But like,
2: it's a philosophy book.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is like your relationship to your father is this mirror to your relationship with God. And you have to like, in order to like, understand your father, you have to submit to the things that your father has done, or you have to believe in him, but you also have to believe in, you have to see him for what he truly is. Right. And you also even have to become him in some, some regard you, and you do it, kind of like you don't know it, you, you fight it you it's weird you fight it your whole life like like me I didn't want want to be a sports guy I didn't want to play football you know like I I never thought I had the capacity to be a cool kid you know what I mean and like and then I realized that's just kind of like I I, I did pick a different path you know but at the same time like the things my father were good at is like also what I'm good at in a lot of ways. And I guess what I'm saying is, it's like, I think, I think your life, your life is this constant, like, like push pull between the existence itself and you, and you it's you submitting to the existence. But at the same time, like you are submitting to the existence. But the submission to the existence is what allows the existence to be Um, and I could, and I could like put in the word God there for me and be like, it's, it's not until I submit to, to my father's will or or submit to my father's way of telling stories that I actually can, um, experience him. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, this is getting pretty like, pretty religious y but like I don't know how else to uh, express how like I mean life's a big deal, you know? Like how else are we supposed to frame this these feelings of, of, of wanting meaning and so for me it's the best way is the word God. But yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean you can't you can't escape this film's uh, perspective on religion at least on a surface level, like they, they even, there's even a metaphorical place that represents heaven or the afterlife, yeah. or, you know, what as an in, inspector. So I don't blame you for drawing those comparisons. Um, and, uh, uh, but I, going back to how it relates to, to me, um, in that same school of thought, you know, like I don't necessarily believe in God anymore, but when I, when incidentally, when I was really into this movie, uh, in high school, I was super into God and I was super Christian. Um, so, uh, so, and I think that, I think that what you're getting at is very interesting. It's like to, to come to a conclusion about how you feel about and what your relationship with God is, uh, either way, if you go the route of a devout, christian or or someone who wants to deviate from that path um you have to submit to the fiction and to the mythos of the bible uh and you have to really dive in to even figure out exactly what you believe yeah at at its core Mm -hmm. well i mean
1: and what like what is belief you know like like I, i i i don't know like what like so christians especially are, are are bad about picking and choosing depending on what denomination they are you know what i mean like some people can drink some people can't you know like this there's tons of different ways of doing things and but like so like who actually believes you know like who is who's
2: doing it right Right. It's not only how you, it's not only if you believe it's, do you believe the right way? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and for me kind of to just ricochet off of that for me, maybe not from as much of a theological or a spiritual standpoint as what, uh My relationship with my, with my faith is, I wouldn't say complicated, but it's definitely like very amorphous in a lot of ways. Grew up very Catholic, uh, but don't necessarily subscribe to the Catholic faith at this point. Um, but there's some of that kind of like faith and, and sense of like looking at the world in there still, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as looking at it as like just life itself, um, we're all looking for understanding, right? We wanna understand life. We wanna understand each other, we wanna we wanna know and be able to get get what's happening and get other people. Cause when we understand other people, we feel connected to other people, right? Will is looking to understand his father. He doesn't understand him. He, lo- he does love him. We see that throughout the story. He does love him. He just doesn't understand him. And that f- is frustrating to him. And in this way, Seth, kind of going back to what you were saying, the only way you can truly understand somebody is if you submit to their way of thinking for a, for at for a least a brief
2: moment. Like, or maybe, Or maybe that the point is that you're not supposed to fully understand the thing, whether it's your father or God, it, the, you know. You
0: accept it po- whether you understand it or not.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: And and you're, you're never going to be able to connect with something if you keep it at a distance, right? Like if you, like, if you push it away and say, I'm not going to acknowledge that, like you're never going to understand it. Like that's just how it's going to be. Of course you can't understand it unless you at least – on some level allow it to internalize in a way that's the only way you're ever going to actually empathize and understand something
2: well, whether whether it's like okay so whether it's the bible as it relates to god and christianity mm-hmm. or this johnny appleseed version of edward bloom's life um which is you know the the you know the analog here the mm-hmm. the parallel or you know even like greek mythology yeah the the all of these things come together to say in this film um we tell these stories not because we believe they're true but because there's a lesson to be learned because there's truth in them there's truth in there somewhere there's a nugget Mm -hmm. there's um there's a reason to tell this story yes and and i think
1: I think the the fact that there is a re like the fact that we all kind of have this emotional feeling and response uh, that there is truth, right? Like it, it's the it's the thing that we're all trying, like, we're getting extremely existential here. And I know we've been going an hour, but like, like, we all <laughs> can feel it, y'all. We all feel the thing that we're talking about, but none of us can describe it, right? (laughs) To
0: to just like kind of put a bow on that thought, Seth, and kind of start to wrap up here. Uh, For one of the first lines of the movie, I think it really encapsulates this. There are some fish that cannot be caught. There is an etherealness to this idea of existence and truth and meaning no matter how much you look no matter how hard you try no matter what you do you're never going to fully grasp it cannot be caught
1: and okay and i think <laughs> and i think that i think that's intentional yeah yeah I, yeah, I, yeah I, absolutely i think the i mean but we didn't do it <laughs> right like like so when i think about like free will or uh destiny or or, or, or whatever like if, if you're god and you have to design a person you can't let them know you they have to believe in you in a way that they don't can't see you because otherwise you just made you didn't give them free will right mm-hmm. like you have to like meaning can't exist unless there is also nothing i guess is what it, like like I believe, God is both real and not real simultaneously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's and it's it's up to you to want to find him or it or
0: whatever, whatever that elusive yeah whatever that fish. elusive thing <laughs> is for whatever that elusive thing is for you whatever yeah. that might be because we, yeah. we all find different meaning in life and there is no well I think to, I think meaning. To th- I mean, that's
1: it. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it is meaning. It is meaning.
2: To throw, I feel like we haven't touched on all the fishing metaphors, but- Oh, there's uh, so many great ones. Jesus is a fisher of men. Yeah. There you go. Wow. I'm just going to throw that oh, one out wow. in the water. I didn't even, didn't even. <laughs> the Christian radio station when I was a kid was called The Fish. Oh, that's got
0: to be in. That's got to be something important.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Write this down. Write this down.
1: Well, I mean- i'm not so like you people would not consider me like like hardcore christians would not consider me a good christian right but like it's kind of like i feel the way will felt about his dad in a lot of ways when you look back at like oh okay so this is kind of the reason i am the way i am is because it's like going oh this is kind of bullshit like there's a lot of shit in christian culture that you're like no this is just wrong you know and 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 I don't know, like, so I, I, it's 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 not just a Christian thing, is what I'm saying. It's like it's bigger than than like a Christian mindset. It's like, no, this is truth, you know. Like we all want meaning, and we all believe in meaning, but sometimes it's
0: hard to, sometimes it's hard to see it, you know. Awesome. Thank you so much. Just a, uh, just a, one quick question just for me, just to kind of wrap up. All right. To go back to the movie a little bit more. Uh, what was your favorite little vignette that kind of was told uh, by Everbloom and, and why? What what did you connect with uh, about it? Just, just out of my own curiosity.
2: Uh, Ian, if you want to go first. Um I think my favorite is the Specter scene because it's so charming. It reminds me um of like a Coen Brothers moment, uh especially with um 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 fuck what's his name? Steve Buscemi. So yeah, especially with sorry, especially with Steve Buscemi showing up um and just how like homegrown that scene felt mm-hmm. and how humorous it was. Uh a little unsettling and- too a little unsettling that dancing scene was just the best. When he's <laughs> he's dancing like... with the, the girl that clearly likes him. And then like, she goes away and the mayor of the town's there and he's got this uh, like crazy enthusiastic look on his face. And you're just like, this is hysterical. Yeah. You know,
0: they <laughs> built that town, that town still exists. So they built it on this like little Island in a river in right. Alabama. And it's still there. It's just like abandoned. So like, but like they built that, that whole thing. It's is crazy. Amazing. That's such an interesting little scene. Uh, how about you Seth uh I'm a fan of the witch I, I
2: <laughs> that was my two way that was my second choice yeah. I,
1: I I think the whole concept is fascinating um yeah if, if I I don't know if I would want to know you know <laughs> but the the way that he approaches that is really cool like like oh well now I can do anything I want because now I'm I know it's how I'm what made die. the
2: other stories even happen, yeah. right? Like yeah. none of those stories would have happened whether or not they did. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's what gave him a superpower. Yeah,
0: it was really cool. I mean, that's, you know, the ult- that's like, really the
1: ultimate lie he told himself, you know, like, oh, I know how I'm going to die. You know, this isn't how I die, which gave him like the, the fortitude to like do pretty wild things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Uh, you know, Miley Cyrus is in that scene.
2: I would. Oh, I was gonna bring that up. Yes. No. She's also in the church when they're singing. And yeah. uh, when are kid, yeah, he's like
0: eight years old. She's she's one of his like little friends. She she always Ruthie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy, interesting. What about um, you, Rick? My, I've two for different reasons. I like the circus part in that he 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 decides to work at the circus to get information about this woman. That he is fallen in love for and he's like that's that definitely the woman i'm gonna marry this is gonna be the true love of my life and how literally like every month he gets like one piece of information that he kind of obsesses about until he gets the next piece of information there's something to me that i i have a a issue sometimes with over romanticization of like mm-hmm. rom- romantic love uh which can bring me a lot of heartbreak uh self-inflicted heartbreak a lot of times and so i have sometimes a tendency i think of not obsessing to that same extent, but like holding very dearly on to like certain things like that and like holding them very close when maybe I'm interpreting them differently than, than that person is. And when he finally goes and like meets this woman and she's like, I'm already like engaged to be married. So like, sorry, dude. And so like he was holding on to this thing for years, years and years. He was holding on to this like fantastical romance that she's just like, mm-hmm, sorry, man. <laughs> which I thought, which I hit me in a way I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. yeah. It worked out for him, but <laughs> that's his story. But then the one that I on a more meta perspective that I thought was just hilarious was the scene where he parachutes into Korea. Yeah, so oh, yeah. oh here's the funny fact about that scene. Almost every character in that scene is speaking a different language. Oh wow.
2: <laughs> oh, like the Patrilochu wow. wow. is
0: speaking uh, Tagalog uh which is like a filipino language uh and then he edward bloom and the two siamese twins are speaking cantonese to each other and then uh, a lot of the other soldiers are speaking korean and some of them are speaking mandarin so like they're all speaking because he doesn't know (laughs) he's like to go with like the unreliable narrator it's like this is just all
2: he
0: He has no idea (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was really funny and just like on a meta level that's like that's Unless someone knows those languages, they would never pick up on that fact that those are different languages.
2: I did think it was awesome that even when he was talking to the twins, they didn't do subtitles. It was just like... No, it was
0: great. Yeah, you just got to pick up on it through subtext, which is awesome. Uh, guys, thank you so much for your, your wonderful insights and all your thoughts and this great conversation. Ian, Thanks. thank you so Thanks much for, being for joining us. Yes. Thanks yeah, for being of course, here. Of course, of it course. Was, it was awesome to have you. You brought such great thoughts and and conversation we would love to have you on
2: again at some point if you're down sure yeah this was a lot of fun i'm always always happy to come hang out with you guys for sure awesome thank you and and thanks for the
0: choice of film we really this was a good one this This was was a good one for sure
2: i'm glad you guys liked it yeah Uh, and if your listeners want to check out uh, my other show it's uh called shrimp and crits um yeah give all the deets shout it out so um we're on twitter at shrimp and crits uh, that's with a c because it's a gaming term. And then you can find me on Twitter at Ian Malden. I-A-N-M-A-U-L-D-I-N. So there you go.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Ian.
2: So, Seth, for
0: next time. What are we doing next time? Yes, for our next film. Oh, boy. So guess what, man? What? The Batman's here!
1: Oh, the Batman.
0: The Batman is here. It's finally here. <laughs> the new Batman. So, yes. Yeah, so we're not going to watch the new Batman because I don't want to have to force anybody to go out to like see a movie or you know that. But we're going to go back to another very famous Batman movie that people still talk about to this day. We're going to watch The Dark Knight nice yeah.
2: where is she where is she <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we're gonna be, so so for everybody watching along at home uh, we'll be watching the dark night for next episode so please watch along with us and maybe you can tell us what you think it's about thank you so much we'll see you next time awesome. adios bye <laughs>